Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. And I'd like to welcome you today. It is Thursday, February 18th. Today is guest day, and uh, we have a very special guest today. And, um, you know, today's a little different. Normally, we, we try to bring in somebody on guest day who is a been a very influential Christian leader or somebody who's a leader here in the community, in the spiritual faith community. And uh, every now and then, we will bring in somebody from the medical community and in this particular case, this um, came about because one of the SWAT guys sent me a, um, a video. I started watching it, and I realized that the person in the video I knew, and it had to do with COVID, it had to do with the vaccine, it had to do with everything going on, the fear in our country. And we've said many times in the last year that fear has been dominating our country Fear is a very powerful motivator. And, you know, the Bible speaks very clearly about not fearing. In fact, over a 100 times in the Bible, it says don't fear or be afraid. And the other thing that the Bible says that we've not heard a lot of talking about uh, by many leaders in the spiritual community is exposing lies and speaking the truth in a culture right now that is full of a lot of lies um ephesians 5 says take no part in unfruitful works of darkness expose them uh, ephesians 4 says put away falsehood you know john 8 says that the father of all lies is satan and uh i i just think we live in a time right now where if you disagree with things that people are saying you're considered a domestic terrorist an extremist you're uh, considered you're marginalized. You're silenced on Facebook and Twitter. We've had things flagged on there uh, for just simply putting truth out there. Air Force chaplains have been removed for preaching truth. Um, what we're experiencing right now, we have no freedom of speech. Uh, people are being told, if you talk about COVID, you talk about masks, you talk about uh, the vaccine, and you don't agree with what big tech is saying, what government is saying, you're marginalized. This person here today has been speaking out, and that is one reason I wanted her to come on, uh, because it ends up that this tape I got was somebody who actually operated on my knee 29 years ago, and it's Dr. Lee Merritt. Dr. Merritt, welcome to SWAT Radio. Well, thank you very much. I'm honored to be here. And it's just an unbelievable coincidence here that we come together after yeah. all these years. Well, you know, I personally don't believe in coincidence. I only believe in providence. And as God would have it, providence. yeah, he brought that tape to me. And you have quite the background. I'm not going to uh, list everything, but you have been the past president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Um, you are an orthopedic spinal surgeon you spent 10 years in the military as a surgeon. You studied bioweapons there. You interned at Bethesda Naval Medical Center. Uh, and like I said, the most impressive stat for me personally is my knee is great. You did a great job on my knee. Oh, that's good. <clears throat> good. Well, when you did surgery on my knee, it was great. 
and uh, you 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 were very professional then. And I, I just always remember how sharp you were as a doctor and personable. And it came across even then. And doesn't always, Doctor Merritt, in medicine sometimes that uh, that sometimes you don't feel like the doctors care, even though I know they probably do. But uh, you were one of those doctors that I sensed that from. And so when I watched this video, the things you were saying were affirming a lot of things that. I was thinking, and I didn't even know how to articulate it. And so I'm so glad that you can take time with us today. Uh, You know, we've lived in a culture of fear now. Now people are being told to double mask, uh, and we're being told that we're going to have to take this vaccine. Those are some big questions for a lot of people that aren't comfortable. And you used a phrase called informed consent uh, in that video. Right. Explain that, first of all, about informed consent, what that means to us. Well, basically, you know, in a big picture here, and just to before I get into, I'll say about informed consent, but to get into the big, big framework here, this, we are being told things, people have no way of independently reviewing a lot of what's happening in the world today. We have been taken over by technocrats, and a technocrat if you think about World War II, the technocrats were people like Albert Speer and Ferdinand Porsche and Carl Brandt, people that had a specialty that through their technology knowledge kept the war machine running for the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. And that's where we first learned about technocrats, essentially, in history. And the problem we have today is even your doctor does not know what's in this so-called vaccine that's coming out. I'm just going to verify that. And, you know, because it is so highly technical and it is so hidden close to the vest by the people running this show that it's not something that the average person can get on the TV and, and, or get on the uh, computer and, and read about and really understand. I've spent a month on this, and I still don't have all the answers about what this is. And I've talked to many, many doctors, including, you know, the big guys from Harvard and Yale and, that have been looking into this. So it's not just me saying this. So when you talk about informed consent, and also this also comes out of World War II, really, where we made a point that you cannot experiment on people without them understanding the risks and benefits. You know, in medicine, it's unethical to force people to have surgery or to have a medical care. We, give, we, we are supposed to describe it to you, tell you what we know, what we think is the truth. We can't always be perfect, and we can't always know everything. I can't go through every risk of every drug that we put you on. But first of all, you're trusting your doctor to have pre-screened the information and to figured out, I think this is worth it for your kind of problem, given you... Given your, like, let's say you have a blood pressure problem, given your risk of stroke, yes, there's a small risk of problems with this drug, but it far outweighs the benefits. You far outweighs the risk of that drug. And I believe that as a physician. And then I try and communicate what I know to you so that you can make an informed decision. That's informed consent. Let me tell you what's happening. This is so... And I'm not and I'm not going to pull punches anymore. I believe this is evil. <laughs> it's not, you know, the... Uh, and, and I'm not a... a, a person that can quote the bible but i know that in ephesians it talks ephesians it talks about that we're fighting against an enemy that's not just flesh and blood but is a higher order and that's really no matter how i look at it we're we're there this doesn't this whole what this pushing of this vaccine does not make sense in any real world 
I'm just going to say, if it was just medical science, we would have been using uh, hydroxychloroquine. We would have been using ivermectin. We would have prevented this not only this year but 20 years ago because it turned out that they have lied about the ability for us to treat viruses for 40 years. That's what woke my mind, me up. That's what, that's what blew my mind open about January or February of this last year, long before Trump mentioned it, that we had treatment for this disease and others and flu. That every year when they say, take your flu vaccine because, you know, 60,000 people died last year, they had treatment for it and didn't pursue it. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think about the moral implications of that before we talk about why it's so important here. So, Let's just, when you talk about, this isn't a vaccine like any other vaccine that's ever been used. I'm really kind of surprised that people are standing in line to get this vaccine that they know nothing about. They don't know how it works. They don't know what's in it. They don't know the sad history of the animal experiments where the animals died trying to make this work. Yeah, could you explain just a little bit about how that worked with these animals? And Because I thought that was fascinating that you you brought out what the the MNRA does, because I didn't know that until right. I saw your video. Right. And, and, and that also, by the way, not just that the animals died, but when they tried to make this technology into a drug, it failed their own safety standards. But you see, they don't have that same safety standards for vaccines because they're completely indemnified. There's no liability to the drug companies. Mm-hmm. But here's what happened. And this is what I will tell you. The other thing is, by the way, you have to ask yourself who's who's really in control and one of the ways you can say that is you know what's important and, and who's controlling you by what you can't talk about this keeps keeps getting pushed down i mean they've, they've scrubbed the internet from some of the studies that i pulled out in february of last year but i went back in time and i found out that this this had been tried we've been trying to vaccinate against coronavirus and then sars and then mers which are all variants of coronavirus that have been maybe uh those were kind of zoonoses, possibly. This is a man-made type SARS virus. It's a man-manipulated virus. But in all of those cases, the same problems happen. These type of viruses have this weird immune uh, reactivity, and I'll tell you how it works. So in the cats first, years ago, they, they, have, they get sick with coronavirus. You and I mostly just get a cold. So they, but for cats, there was a veterinary research project that started it, and they wanted to get the cats not to get coronavirus. So they gave the cats a vaccination that, that they thought would work. And then what you do in research is you give them the vaccine, you give them, see if they thought, okay, survived the vaccine so far, so good. Now let's challenge them with the virus to see if they get sick. And what happened is not only did they get sick, but they died. It's called immune enhancement. And what happened is when you use this mRNA technology, they don't... It, it isn't like the old-time vaccines where we give a little piece of the germ and then it's been weakened, and your body sees it, memorizes it, and gets ready for the next time and then creates antibodies that kill or neutralize the virus, right? Mm-hmm. What they're giving you is a little piece of genetic material that creates a protein, and that protein is going to be the pathogen. So what happened is when they did this in the cats, the cats body this this is like a computerized program chip this this you can we reverse engineer mrna in other words we can build whatever we want into it so they built it to make the for the cats originally they built it to make this coronavirus pathogen in in the cat cells 
And then when it when they were exposed to the real virus, instead of making a real antibody response, because now they've been programmed to do something else, they made this kind of weakened antibody that coated the coated the virus but didn't kill it. So then the virus was able to come into the cat's body like a Trojan horse, multiply unchecked by the cat's own immune system, and overwhelm the cat with sepsis, meaning overwhelming infection and cardiac death. Well, then they tried it later with SARS, CoV-1, the first SARS. They tried it again, and I think they tried it on cats and maybe ferrets, and same thing happened, okay? Then they tried it after MERS, and the same thing happened. And the point is, is that these animals, we've never passed animal studies because every time we give the vaccine, it doesn't necessarily kill them right away. It kills them later of this hyperimmune response that, that inflames their tissues, and it doesn't kill the virus. The virus comes in anyway. Now, I just want to point out, we're seeing this already in humans. We had a young, and I, I picked up my ears because he's an orthopedic surgeon, 37-year-old orthopedic surgeon recently from Memphis, Tennessee. He took the vaccine, and it turned out, unbeknownst to anybody, he'd had an asymptomatic, I guess, bout with COVID. He'd had, because he turns out he had, the, he had had, apparently, antibodies from COVID. So when he took the vaccine, it created this response, and he died a few days later of what's called uh, multi-system or multi-organ inflammatory syndrome. Sounds exactly like what the cats died of. Mm-hmm. And... You know, of course, the the vaccine industry will always deny that there's a relationship to a vaccine. And there's two types of vaccine injuries that we see in general with vaccines, if there's going to be an injury. One's autoimmune and one's neurologic. And we're seeing both of those with this. Hmm. So that one's the biggie. The biggie is that the problem with that is, let's say you take the vaccine and you get by the first round, you don't get sick from the vaccine. There's a risk that down the line, this thing could still bite you because we don't know how long it lasts in the system, but presumably it lasts a long time. When I watched, and this is just my observation, this I can't prove the thing I'm going to say right now, but I'm just going to say is that the way you understand things is not just by reading. You also have to observe the world around you and make sense of it. And when I watched this COVID come across Wuhan and then go into Lombardy, one of the things that was unique, there were two types, there were two big issues. One is, why do 99% of the people walk away from this and a few people die, okay, or go down in the ICU and get really sick? Well, the Indonesians figured that one out. It was vitamin D levels. Basically, if you keep your vitamin D level above 30, which you can't do from the sun, you've got to take supplements, you'll, you're not going to be, you have less than a 4% chance if you're a hospitalized patient of ending up in the ICU or dead. So there's, a very, there's some very significant things we can do to mitigate risk here. But the other thing that I never understood, and it still has not been answered, I think, who were those young Chinese men? They were young guys. They were thin. They weren't at high risk of going down with this disease. And we saw them dropping on the sidewalk in Wuhan without even putting their hands out. I mean, they were dead when they hit the sidewalk, right on their face. And we saw several of those. And I thought, what is going on here? What kind of a disease is this? Then a few pathologists squeaked out some information before they locked down the information coming out of Wuhan. And what they said was they died of um, uh, sepsis and cardiac failure, overwhelming sepsis and cardiac failure, which sounds a lot like the cats with immune enhancement. Mm. The other fact that came out of China is that there was a five-to-one male-to-female ratio in the deaths. Now, what I took away from that, and that has stopped, by the way. Now we're more, it's, not, it's more evenly divided. So 
what's that all about? Well, in my opinion, I suspect, which we can't prove, but I suspect that just like, you know, we, I'm not, I'm not saying we should do this, but there are tests of vaccines on military and because you're worried about certain things like anthrax and stuff. Well, they probably tested that SARS vaccine on their military. We didn't. We, we couldn't get past animal testing, so we never went past that. But they may have given it to their military. And these guys are now former military. They get out. They never got injured because they didn't have the virus. SARS went away. But now we've got SARS-CoV-2 that's very similar. They get that, and it takes them down an immune enhancement like the cats. Again, years later. These are the kind of concerns a lot of people have. I mean, I, I, the one thing I think I had a lot of free time on my hands as an elective surgeon, so I had time to research this. I started saying it early on, and at first people said, what, what? But now I hear all sorts of people talking about this. So it's a real concern. Well, the other but thing the I want to bring thing. out, too, you, you, you made the yeah. statement. You said, I can't prove this, but, but you studied biowarfare uh, when you were and, – and you were – I mean, you've been a surgeon for, you know, uh, practicing 40 years, right? Close to 40, 35, 40. And and so you have observed these things and you also have relationships with people that have also been studying these things as you've sat around. And you wrote um, an article. I don't know when you wrote it on the treatment of viral disease talking about the suppression right. of yeah. uh, hydrochloroquine and other anti you know other um, antimicrobials those kind of things right. uh, and you were part of white uh, were you a part of the white coat doctors I heard you say that I thought you I am yeah uh, I'm uh, a frontline America's uh, frontline America's frontline yeah. doctors yeah because a lot of those doctors were kind of marginalized by media which that doesn't surprise me uh, but I, I mean when I know you i've known you and and saw you i you were never like a conspiracy theorist or you you were in the military you you're a military surgeon and so tell me i mean you this this thing is not just uh something that popped up naturally uh i said back in no. february this came out of a lab and everybody kind of laughed and you were right and and and, and then yeah, it ends up coming out being true <laughs> so Right. But, well, they're still arguing it. You know, the WHO just said, oh, no, it's natural. It, it's a zoonosis, natural animal thing that jumped into humans. And they got that because they asked the Chinese, did it come out of a lab? And the Chinese came back and said, nope. Well, of <laughs> course, you got to believe the them, the right? WHO. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the level of the WHO investigation. They, they Literally, they had the Chinese investigate themselves. That's like asking the bank robber, did you rob the bank? And he says, no, I just found the money on, on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Um, Seriously, I mean, you have to, and that's, I have to say, you and I have been in the military, and I think, you know, when you're hanging around, uh, you know, senior officers, and it's kind of, they're all sitting around chatting and thinking about these things, it kind of rubs off, and I, and I am not, I'm not a line officer like you were, but I, but it rubbed off on me too, and I'm skeptical about some of the things, and I, I just, I'm just, you can't make sense out of the nonsense that's being put out there about the masks, about the treatment it doesn't make sense it's cognitive dissonance science a real the real they say follow the science but really they're following the propaganda the real science doesn't show that masks work the real science shows that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and these type of agents do work but not only do they not accept it 
what you should point out is that they go out of their way to censor people that speak this. Now, that's not the way science works. Science isn't like, you believe what I believe or I shut you up. Science is, let's, let's talk about this. Let's see the evidence. Let's compare evidence. Let's, let's talk about the logic of the evidence. Does it make sense? How about the statistics? That's science, and they're not doing that. The second thing is, they've blown, you know, did you see the hydroxychloroquine plant in Taiwan just burned to the ground? Second biggest hydroxychloroquine supplier in the world. Now, that's not the only one. Somebody said, well, it's just a chemical fire. They happen, you know. But we've had two other plants. If people are paying attention, there was one in Mexico and one in Illinois almost the same week. These are the precursor plants that build the parts that go into the hydroxychloroquine. They were burned down last year. And at this point, I'm saying, I'm raising the flag and saying that's not coincidence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not con- that's a fact that this is not just explainable. Why would they go out of the way? Why would Dr. Fauci? When MERS came out in 2014 and 2015, he would go on record saying, you know, we have a drug that will work for this, these older drugs, this hydroxychloroquine. It works pretty well. Yeah, we don't have 30-year data, but I'd use it. If I had somebody in the hospital that were sick, I wouldn't let them die when you could try this. He said that in 2015, but this time he's saying, oh, no, there's no evidence this stuff works. Hmm. So, again, we, we have been – I used to think propaganda was just – one person like Joseph Goebbels standing up there and telling you a big lie, but most of the world is correct. What I've learned from this is they've been lying to us about these things for 40 years. That's the, and, and they've been setting us up for this. You know, they purposely didn't tell us about vitamin D over the last 20 years. I, as an orthopedic surgeon, see adult rickets all the time in my, my office, but people don't, people are so used to just believing the authorities they don't they're they've been told what it's expensive urine to take vitamins that don't do that sort of thing they outlawed the fda changed the regulatory status of iv vitamin c two years before this broke out iv vitamin c is saving lives all over the world with people that are very severe in the icu what again why would you do that why would you hide the hydroxychloroquine issue hmm. and i so i have to say it's it, you cannot you cannot look at this for very long before you think this is atypical warfare against our society. Mm-hmm. It's unconventional, unrestricted warfare of a very insidious psychological operation type. And it's, it's, it's involving a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yes, the virus, I'm not, I'm, not the, I'm not the one that says that this is just the flu. I don't believe this is just the flu. Um, I think it's a little worse than the flu, but... It's not that much worse. I mean, we have a we have a death rate or a survival rate with last season's viral season of 99. I, I look at from January to August, you had a 99 worldwide 99.991 percent chance of survival, whereas worldwide in 2018 or 2017, I think I looked at it was 99.992 percent from the regular season. So realistically, it's not a huge difference in the number of people dying from this. Mm-hmm. And, well, here's, and here's the other thing is, when you look at this vaccine, and they are now, they never tested it in children. The youngest, they didn't test it in, in teenagers. They, they tested it down to, down to, I think, age 16. Okay, mm-hmm. but below that, they didn't test any of these so-called vaccines. These, they're not vaccines. They're an experimental genetic agent. But now they want to vaccinate children starting at age 7. AstraZeneca just announced this in Europe. Now, keep in mind. Oxford University said no, ch- that your child is more risk of dying of lightning than of COVID. Mm. In Sweden, 1.9 million school children 
went to school, did not miss a day, were not put in these horrendous occult, psychological, debilitating masks. They didn't antisocial distance. They didn't do anything. They went to school like normal. Not one child died, and their teachers didn't get sick at any other rate than anybody else. Hmm. Why on earth would you force a vaccine on these children? Because when you have no risk of dying, there is no reason and, or serious injury, then any risk of a vaccine is significant. And, it, and we are seeing anaphylaxis at five times the rate of, the, of other vaccination programs. So, you know, you put this together. It's not good. Yeah. And, um, well, you, you, you made this statement in, um, in the video I'm speaking about. Can, they, can, can people see that by going to your website? Yes, they can. If you, if you, in fact, I've got all my videos pretty much posted, but um, you, you can go to drleemerritt.com, and it's, you can spell out doctor, or you can use doctor with no period, drleemerritt.com, and that's the first, I think it's the first one is about SARS-CoV-2 and the rise of medical technocracy, and then the other one is about this. It's from the New American, which you're talking about. Yeah, and then you also have one on there on mask, but it's D-R-L-E-E. Right. M E R R I T T dot com. All those videos. And you know, real quick, right. we've we've got about three minutes before we go to our, our news break on a half hour. Um do, explain real quick, you know, people go, Yeah, but we've always had vaccines. Can you explain why we had to have vaccines for like smallpox or polio and why this is different real quick for just right. for, so people can well, understand? All, as I told you it's complicated, but trust me, this is not of the same principle. It doesn't even work like a regular vaccine. Smallpox is the most deadly va- virus we know. It, c- it killed more people in the 20th century than all the wars put together. So it made sense to vaccinate, to try. We didn't have a treatment for it, right? So when you don't have a treatment and it's a very deadly disease, vaccines make sense. And we did it very smartly about smallpox. Mm. Polio, too. I mean, from my perspective. But now, it turns out, but then they started generalizing it to things. When I was in medical school, they said only 260 children died of measles the year we started vaccinating for measles. Something like 260. Don't quote me that exact number, but right around that number. So the idea that we suddenly got gotten rid they, they jokingly said that they were right, that measles was cured by plumbers because it was sanitation and better diet. Hey, Dr. Merritt, hey, we're going to have to cut to the news. I'm sorry. That's a hard... Hard to break for us at on the half hour, but I, I want to come back and pick up on that because I want our listeners to understand sure. that, okay? Hey, you're listening to Dr. Lee Merritt, L-E-E-M-E-R-R-I-T-T. We're going to be right back talking more about COVID, vaccine, and everything else on SWAT Radio. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, You've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain Hey, this is Doug McCary. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, February 18th, and I have Dr. Lee Merritt. So sorry to have to cut you off because of coronavirus and COVID. We're in a different studio for us, and it's kind of pre-programmed, and I thought I had a little longer. Dr. Merritt, forgive me. So uh, anyway. Oh, uh, sorry. No, 
Um, hey, I want to go back to that, over because people are saying, well, you know what? We've gotten vaccines before, and, you know, and we got to have it because they say they won't let us travel or they won't let us do this with it. And and I, I, I would just like you to explain why this isn't really even a vaccine. It, like, I mean, you talked about the MNRA, but the other smallpox like you were talking about, could you go back into that just a minute? Why? Why we needed a vaccine then versus why we don't need one now? Right. The, they're, they're forcing people by uh, limiting your trans, transportation and limiting you. It's going to be like, you know, when they talk about the mark of the beast to, to take part in society, that's what this is coming to. They don't want you to be able to buy groceries ultimately unless you're vaccinated. And think about that. We cannot let that happen. I don't care what the disease is. Are we really going to go down with our world like that? But anyway, smallpox is eradicated because of vaccination. Now, it was done rationally. They, they figured out how to do it. I mean, they made a, a weakened version of the virus. They injected it into people. And uh, actually, it's a different virus, but very similar. That caused a reaction that got you to be immune to then smallpox, which killed a lot of people. And they, what they did is they... they maybe got a certain percentage. This is what herd immunity really means. You get a certain percentage of people that are immune, then the, the disease doesn't get passed back and forth very much. And then they would have little outbreaks like in, in Bangladesh or India or someplace, and they would send out a crew that would bring vaccinate around those outbreaks until they got it under control. And now they don't vaccinate a lot of places for smallpox because we don't have the disease anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, my point is, it, you, you not the idea. The point about that is to stop transmission, so there's no um, reservoir of humans that are susceptible that could get get sick with it. You have to have, this thing has this virus has to live in nature somewhere. And by the way, as being lab acquired, this ter- particular virus, when they tried to infect bats, it wouldn't infect bats. So it's not like this is going to live in the bat community and then come back out. That's not how we got this. Hmm. It's a it's a bioweapon from a lab. So. Once it goes away, if all humans were immune, yeah, it would go away. But this idea that Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab said, which you don't want them to be in charge, but they are. They say, oh, if one person isn't vaccinated, we won't be safe. That's nonsense scientifically. When you hear somebody say that, you're talking about a, you know, propaganda. A, 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 that's, that's to force people into doing something and making them afraid. Mm-hmm. And that's what's driving this. It's fear, and it's fear of not being able to travel and stuff, but you have to look at what this could potentially do to you. Unlike a regular vaccine, where you take it, and even if we say, let's say the childhood vaccines, one of the concerns is too much aluminum. I'm not saying they're good, but if you take them, at least you could have a backstop. You could chelate people. You could take out those heavy metals. There's some things you can do against this, but we are talking about a genetic therapy here. And genetic therapy, once it's instituted, and although they can deny that it goes into your DNA, it sure looks like it does because it cannot linger around for very long by itself. It has to be somehow where it can reproduce this, this if, you know, it can continue to make this RNA. So, or the spike proteins, it has to be somehow intercalated. And I've, I've talked to a lot of very smart people that have a lot of lab experience that don't quite get how this is working. So I'm going to tell you that's an unknown, but if it does get into your DNA, like retroviruses, we know about retroviruses that when you get sick with the virus, the virus replicates by getting into your DNA and your RNA, and it, re, re, it reproduces itself. And in some of those, 
it goes down into the next generation. Mm. So your children will that are born after you've had that virus will have this altered DNA from that retrovirus. Mm. Okay, that's the principle of genetic therapy of transfection, and this is potentially a big transfection agent. So this is a this is you don't come back from this if we're if I'm right and they're wrong, you don't come back. It's not going to turn it around. And you're going to do something to your next generation if you if you're having if you haven't had kids. And let me just point out another one, Dr. Wolfgang Wodarg, who's a, a smart guy in Europe. He's an MD and a scientist. He and um, Dr. Michael Yaden, who's the former senior science advisor for Pfizer, they've looked at that, and they point out the fact that what this is making antibodies to the spike protein is the is what they're going to create that your body's supposed to make antibodies to. The proteins in the spike protein of this coronavirus are almost are very, very similar to the, 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 the proteins in a woman's placenta and man's sperm. So it is potentially, this is a great crime human disaster against humanity because they're calling it a crime against humanity. This could sterilize a generation or more of us hmm. because it could make... All women that take this vaccine young, when they go get to get pregnant later, they develop antibodies to their own placenta. Mm. Think about that. Now, I'm not, we're not 100% sure that's going to happen, but we see it in nature with the Zika virus. It's been do- documented this can happen from the natural infections. We're doing, what, we're doing this natural infection on steroids. I mean, we're really pushing it. So if that happened, it would be a disaster. And there's only three months now of follow-up on on this vaccine in humans never been it's never passed again it's never passed animal trials and it's never been trialed in humans over three months this is a totally experimental product now even if people say i i really want it well then wait a while do you really want to be the first guy on the rocket to the moon do you really want to be (laughs) the first guy to take an unknown drug that we've never tested on humans before there are people that are willing to do that but i'm not one well, and, and you told, and I asked you about me personally, and and just on a friend to friend, you said, you know, you can't tell anybody what to do or not to do. But the big thing, going back to that informed consent, is we don't even know what's in it. That's part of the problem. Is for me, I, I mean, right. in the past, like you kind of had an idea, and the other thing that you said right. that was so strong was that we have therapies to treat the 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 illness that we get or the virus when we get it. And, and I I do want to go to that for a second because a lot of people are listening out there who are so afraid of getting the virus because they're afraid they're going to die. They're afraid they're going to be in on a ventilator. And you recommended, uh, supplements, vitamin D, C, corset and selenium. Tell us your COVID cocktail or your COVID kit. And can you, one thing that you didn't do in the other video was, dosages because i don't know if you take a thousand milligrams a day or what or how do you how do you recommend i mean and and again i do want to make this disclaimer (laughs) dr Merritt is my friend she's a a surgeon and uh we are not giving medical advice you need to talk to your own doctors but she's sharing knowledge and we're sharing truth and it's our opinion that this truth is very helpful so i want to just say that and I, I, but I do want to know uh, dosages because I didn't get that out of that other right. video. Well, and, and I will just make this point, unfortunately, about my own profession, that we have been completely brainwashed about everything is a pill and everything is a vaccine. 
and they don't know about these things. Mm-hmm. Most doctors do not know about this stuff because they're not paying attention. They could learn. They could go to these courses, but they, we're not getting it. The chiropractors are the ones that really know about the dosages and things. But here's the deal, and I'm basing this on uh, multiple things, but you, you, the big thing is vitamin D. Like I say, I take 10,000 units a day. The official medical recommendation for most people, you know, adults, I'm talking about adults, is 5,000 units a day. Because now keep in mind, kids are not really at risk for this disease. Hmm. As you get older, you don't absorb things as well. You have to take vitamins and stuff. But there, we, if they go to my website, I have a thing that's called the, the nine supplements everybody should take. And it goes through the COVID list and it goes through all this. So you don't have to take notes. But it's, I take 10,000 units of vitamin D because I've tested my levels and I need that to get above 60, which is an anti-cancer level. Okay. But you have to get a but the magic number is 30. So then the next one is zinc. Um, people that are not sick at least take 15 milligrams of zinc. Most multivitamins don't have enough of anything, but they usually have about seven of zinc. But you, I, I think extra zinc is, is worthwhile. Vitamin C is, is like the ammunition for your white cells. So when you get a cold or the flu or anything, your body's first response is to suck up all the vitamin C it can into its neutrophil um, system in order to go out and fight the war against this virus or, or bacterium. And what the recommended daily allowance is, is really the recommended death allowance, is way too low. So, but it, what, what is true is you can't take all the vitamin C at one dose. What you ought to do is get, I get these GNC chewables. I mean, I don't get a kickback from GNC saying this. I just, I like their taste. And I put them by my computer at work, and when I go in and in between patients every once in a while, I chew one. So by the end of the day, in viral season, I get about four grams a day. But at least take two grams a day, one or two grams. Um, but in divided doses throughout the day, it's like you know, it's like the Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps. You don't send him out with 800 pounds of ammunition in the morning. <laughs> yeah. You've got to feed it to him as the battle goes on, right? And, and vitamin C is your weapon, is your ammunition. Um, the other one is quercetin, which I don't know that much about, but I know that the big guys in this fight, you know, Zelenko and Peter McCullough and Didier Raoul in France that, that were you know, I've communicated with, they're all they're all on quercetin. I mean, they all are taking 500 milligrams they, for this disease. They make sure people get 500 twice a day of quercetin, or and I think it, I think once a day if you're not sick is okay, but I'm not sure. I think it's once or twice a day of 500 quercetin. Now, the other one that you might not know about or think about is called N-acetylcysteine. It's NAC, and what that does is it's good for what ails you. We probably ought, that's one of my nine things I think everybody ought to be on because it decreases the you know it helps the antioxidate your cells where you need it and it's really a good thing it helps it's been shown to help prevent dementia and and all sorts of inflammatory diseases and one of the problems in this disease is an overshoot of inflammation mm-hmm. so that's a good one okay and um i think I'm selenium selenium I selenium selenium and selenium i didn't know about before this either but i've heard several doctors say that selenium is birth control for viruses you don't want to take too much of that you don't go over 220 micrograms a day that's one of the rules. But of interesting side note, China is actually was the soils in China are so deficient in selenium that their children were getting a fatal cardiac disorder until they put selenium in their soil. Mm. And that may have something to do with why they look so bad at first. Who knows? But it's a big antiviral thing. So that's and the other thing to say is the people that risk in my in my experience in my op, by the way in my my orthopedic program and my when I talk to patients over years of asking them their blood type, almost everybody says, oh, right, because most people are O positive. Mm-hmm. However, in this disease, most people are A positive. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know why, but that's just there is a genetic predisposition to this. Obesity is a big risk. 
because you don't utilize your vitamin D as well. So obese people might need more vitamin D, but again, it's a good idea to get the fat off. Fat cells have the attachment points for this virus. So you don't want to have any extra fat on you if you can help it. So this is the time to clean up your diet. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and I think those are the big things. I mean, yeah, those were, those are the supplements, but then you got hydrochloroquine and ivermectin okay. and, and where, where do you get these? Like, I mean, if, okay. cause some pharmacists aren't dispensing them. Some doctors won't prescribe right. them. Um, and right. you know, that, that seemed, why is that? Why will they not prescribe them? Well, well, that's, I don't want to be too long about that, but I. But this is a moral uh, corruption of our profession. And I would say that there are three groups of doctors. There's a group of doctors on the top that are being paid. There's a lot of money that rolled across Anthony Fauci's desk that paid a lot of people to, to do the wrong thing here. The second thing is that there's a group of doctors on the bottom that are in training, and they really can't go outside their training guidelines by the people that are overseeing them at the universities. And that's I give those people a moral pass. But the big middle of doctors basically were left in the dark because every time somebody talked about hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, like Dr. Corey, excellent presentation, like Peter McCullough, who was censored off YouTube for medical disinformation trying to put out an outpatient protocol, and keep or Facebook, I mean, um, out, outpatient, no, it was YouTube. Uh, Dr. McCullough is one of the most published physicians in the world. Why would you, he's the chief of cardiology at Baylor. Why would you, or the, the senior cardiologist, saying, well, why would you censor this guy? Okay, what's the point of this? So that's why you're not getting the right treatment from your average doctor. And people are afraid to go to the hospital now because they know they're not going to get treated right. That's a sad situation. And those, so I'm speaking to those doctors, if any of them are listening, who are in the middle here, the people that are out of training but don't want to get off this bus because they're afraid that, they, you know, they're getting paid by the university or their major hospital and they've got a mortgage and two kids and they're 37 years old and they're just getting started in practice and they don't want to rock the boat. But, you know, God will not hold us blameless, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. Hmm. By not using hydroxychloroquine, and I heard Zelenko came up with the same number based on some studies. I came up with the same number. 250,000 people in America died needlessly because we didn't treat them and we didn't prophylax correctly. So here's the way it works. You can get, so, you know, hopefully that they're going to now suddenly on the miraculous day of January 21st, they kind of turned around their thinking and said, oh, well, okay, it does work somewhat, hydroxychloroquine. Well, it works a lot. Nation, nationally, internationally, those countries that use hydroxychloroquine early and often have 78% less death rate. There's so much evidence out there. Don't tell, let them tell you there's no evidence. But how do you get it? Well, there's two possibilities. If you have a good doctor or, you know, your chiropractor often can find somebody he knows. They probably know people that are treating it correctly. You can go to americasfrontlinedoctors.org, so it's AFLDS.org, and they have a site to help you get hydroxychloroquine, okay? Now, I'm not part of that. I, don't call me about that one, but I, <laughs> I can't get involved in that. But they, they do have a system for that. Okay. However, I know people have gotten it from Mexico. I'm not, I can tell you I lived on the Mexican border for a long time. I never saw a problem with the drugs coming back from there. Uh, most of the time, they're blister packed by the same companies that make it in our country, but it's not. I've never seen it. So that is a possibility, and I'm not. I I personally don't feel wrong telling people it'd be okay to have some at home because we don't know what these guys are going to do. This we've entered the age of viral warfare, and it could change next year. So, it's, but the good news is all of these small airborne viruses kind of probably are are susceptible to being killed without 
getting um, any kind of resistance over time to hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and these other drugs. Now, ivermectin, again, I think doctors have been starting to prescribe that more and more because it's not quite on the high ridge line. It doesn't have the political connotations, which none of this should be political. This virus isn't a, uh, isn't a political point, although it's being used politically. This is a medical point, and we should morally treat it correctly. But the ivermectin, actually, a lot of people in horse country, for example, have the ivermectin for horses. I can tell you that the dosages for animals is not the same as for humans. But I looked at the horse dose, for example, and I said, well, a 125-pound horse is generally what it would be for what you'd do a normal, you know, 70-kilo, you know, 150, 180-pound man. So um, that's, that's just my, what I told my neighbor. I'm not, again, recommending that. But, but the problem is that if you can't get it anywhere else, that is an option to have some of that at home. I yeah. know that people around here are stocking up on some of that. Yeah, we call that um, Kentucky windage. <laughs> that's what we call well, that. I'm not, and I don't think that's inappropriate. <laughs> it, what would be appropriate is if, if medical people don't want people to use animal vet medicine, then they should do the right thing and, and take care of their patients. That's what I would say here. Okay, and what what about masks, real quick? Because just we we've got right now we got about yeah we got eight minutes left. Tell us why they don't work from a medical perspective. What what because I don't believe they work either. But I we're being told, and now we're being told to double mask. So right, well, that's part of the psychological operation because masks masks have traditionally been a, a symbolic item the cults use them you know since time immemorial symbols make sense and it's just like the manchu q years ago you had to wear that when the when the manchu conquered the han dynasty they forced all the men to wear this haircut on penalty of death why it was a symbol of submission so do not underestimate the importance of symbols mm. there's not studies before before 2019 nobody thought masks would mask away small particle airborne viruses nobody talked about it it just wasn't on the horizon and all the studies that you find coming out from big people like osha i mean you don't think osha looked at this we would have been selling masks for flu season if they worked right Mm -hmm. but osha looked at it um environmental sciences places looked at it and the bottom line here is there's a complete narrative that's false here that it makes it sound like people feel like it might be doing something because when they sneeze they can tell that they contain some of it in the mask but what that's a false narrative because it isn't the big globule. When you hear droplets, that's not the virology definition of a droplet. Those big globs you sneeze and cough up when you do that, those are not what are contrib- contributing to, to sickness. They don't transmit live virus. That's not where you get the live virus. What happens is when you get sick with a virus and you start getting to the point where you're having a temperature, you're sick. You feel you're getting sick, right? You've got runny nose or cough, sore throat, whatever. You're starting to shed virus in your breath. And it's one to two nuclei, very, very, very tiny particles of these airborne viruses, rhinovirus, adenovirus, this virus. And they become, as Dennis Rancourt, from physicist from Toronto says, part of air fluidity. They don't flow from me to you in some kind of a stream. They flow out of my mouth and nose. They start floating around in the atmosphere like little tiny pieces of dust you see in the, in the sunbeams you see in the summer, right? Mm-hmm. They're just always there. We are always in a viral environment. But the difference is in winter, without humidity, they don't drop out very much. Mm-hmm. And we're closed into a tight airspace. And so we get these things more in the winter. That's why we have a winter season. We go inside. We shut off our windows. 
we don't have humidity, our vitamin D levels drop because we're not outside. All these things contribute to it. So there's that's the point. You know, more like I said about smallpox, more people died of smallpox in the 20th century than all the wars put together. If we could have masked it away, don't you think we would have? Mm-hmm. Of course we would have. They say, well, we saw people wearing masks in 1918. They wore them because they thought they might do something. But the only thing that made a difference in 1918 were two things. One is people who had previously had the flu. In other words, having natural immunity is a good thing. Don't let them, if you hide in your basement forever, because viral season is never going to go away, hiding in your basement forever does not make your immune system better. It makes it worse. And secondly is that um, total isolation is the only thing you can do against something like smallpox. If this had been a really deadly virus, then then going to your basement and walling yourself in for a couple months or however long it took for the, that virus to, to blow through the, the uh, environment makes sense. It doesn't make sense in this. To be honest, masks are a psyop, and and it's there. Let me just point out. Yeah, say what that is for people when they hear psyop. Tell psychological psychological operation. In other words, they're making you afraid so you will stand in line and do what they want you to do, which appears to be take this vaccine. I, you know, you could speculate on the motive, but they really, really don't want you to have treatment. They really, really, really want you to have the vaccine. And the masks are the keystone in the arch of this psychological operation because it's it's. It separates people. It makes people angry at each other. It, 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 is a, it is a symbol that I submit, that I will shut up and I will obey. and I'll do the, that's, what, that's what masks do. They, they make you part. And you feel like you're doing something. But, but let me tell you, the, the one thing they never tell you is the danger of masks. And they always say, well, I do it. I just do it to not have to be hassled when I go to the grocery store. And there's no downside. There's a huge downside. The number one downside is to our children. Okay. The biggest, the biggest use of the metabolic calories in the brain, you know, when your brain has metabolism to do things, it's not doing chess or mathematics. It's looking at another human face. Mm-hmm. What makes us human is to read each other's faces. That's a huge part of what it is to be human. Your children need to learn to look at other people's faces. There's a just anybody want to not anyone want to dispute that go to the study you can look on YouTube it's called the still face experiment and it shows what happens to infants like year old infants when their mothers stop having an expression on their face like putting on a mask the children will last about a minute trying to get the mother engaged and then they will just devolve into shrieking because they're so anxious that's what we're doing to our children and the second thing we're doing is we're, treat, we're teaching these, this inchoate fear of their atmosphere and their environment. It's simply not true. We've lived with viruses since time in a memorial, and yes, we've had outbreaks. The pandemic of 1918 really was a pandemic. This is not. We are not killing people at the rate to be a pandemic. This is something else, and that's why I call it a psychological operation. I, used, I didn't think it was at first, but I've come to that conclusion. But masks are deadly to our society. Don't wear them. Take them off. If we want this pandemic to go away, we've got to do several things. We've got to stop wearing a mask. We've got to turn off the TV. And we've got to take back our world by opening up our stores, going and kissing our relatives and hugging our relatives and, and going to visit and getting prying out our elderly from solitary confinement, which is one of the most cruel things I've ever seen done. It's what we've done to the elderly. Well, we had a societal elder abuse. I, I want to get you back on because we're at that. We're basically at the end of our program. We didn't even get to talk about the hundreds of communist Chinese working at Pfizer, AstraZeneca, and right. and, and the virologists who have come over here, 
who actually worked in our weapons labs. Though we, I mean, I, I really would love to have you back on in a month or two if you would be so kind because there's so much to talk glad. about. But but listen, I want to tell people one more time your website. It's D R L E E m e r r i t t dot com and i want to say this to our listeners because i've already got some messages from people that want to share this would, would you do me a favor and pray for dr Merritt? i want you to pray for her safety Thank you. i want you to pray for her ministry of of truth of speaking the truth and i just want to personally thank you again uh you were professional when i knew you in the marine corps you're still professional and I appreciate your passion and being willing to step out against the grain because I can tell you as a person who's not been wearing a mask that it's not fun. People look at you and people make you feel bad, like you're the bad one. And, and I, you know, I think masks are good training for people to narc on other people too. <laughs> and that's coming. Absolutely. But, but anyway, I, uh, I just thank you so much, Dr. Merritt. It, it is it was good to reconnect again, and again, my knee's still working good, just to give you some feedback. And so, uh, uh, awesome. and uh, I, I just, uh, again, for our listeners, go to that website, Dr. Lee Merritt. That's D-R-L-E-E-M-E-R-R-I-T-T.com. We're going to have this. If you want to listen, you can go to www dot swatradio.com. We will have this posted. I will warn you. Uh, if you try to post this on Facebook and you mention COVID, vaccine, mask, it will be flagged as false information. Just understand that. Uh, and that that means, like Dr. Uh, Merritt says, we're over the target. That's where we want to be. So, uh, Dr. Merritt, have a blessed day, great weekend, and we will pray for you as we go out, okay? Thank you so much. All right. Hey, hey, listen, thank you guys for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, uh, Highway to Eternity Ministries, Tom Neal Trucking. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. We're probably going to be talking about some of this stuff. And, again, if you want to hear about those supplements you need, go to drleemerritt.com. Thank you for listening to SWAT Radio. Have a great evening. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual